welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to episode 83 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Belinda Risley, and this week I'm joined by super driver, super coach, Ross Bentley from Speed Secrets. For those who don't know about Ross or haven't checked out his resources, please race over to speedsecrets.com and see what he has to offer. We're going to be talking about driver development on and off the track today, about Ross's successful career over in the U.S., and about getting sponsorship. All right, Ross, well, thank you very much for joining us on the Most Sport Coaching Podcast. I'm really looking forward to talking to you because I love racing and I love talking about it almost as much as I love racing. Yes, you have been racing for a very long time. Let's go from the start. How did you get started in motorsports? Uh, my, my father built race cars and worked on race cars when I was a kid. So I went to my first race when I was five years old. And... You know, like a lot of kids that say, you know, hey, I want to grow up to be an astronaut or I want to do this or what, you know, I, at five, I said, I want to be a race car driver. And fortunately, I never grew up. <laughs> I'm still, I still feel like a five-year-old, uh, you know, playing at this. So. Yeah. So what did you start off with? Did you start on circuit, speed? Actually, my father was involved with uh, sprint cars, uh, oval track. Um, yeah. Uh, winged and unwinged sprint cars and so that's what I grew up around and uh, so I was kind of always into that oval track racing and wanted to go and race the Indy 500 and things but at the same time uh, very early on when I was I think I was like 10 or 11 years old a friend's older brother gave me a bunch of old road and track magazines and I started reading about Formula One and Jimmy Clark and Dan Gurney and you know the Ford GTs at, against the Ferraris at Le Mans in the mid-60s, and I started reading about all these things. And so I kind of fell in love with the whole road racing and Formula One world as well. And, you know, to me, it was just all about, I just want to go racing. It didn't yeah. matter where. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to win the Formula One World Championship and the Indy 500 and Le Mans. That's all. Ross, not just aiming high, Ross. Why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I never did win those three things. So, um, uh, but, you know, I got the chance to... Oh, race. Uh, well, I, you know, I raced in Indy cars and, yep. um, uh, you know, got to go and race at uh, uh, Gold Coast and uh, Indy car races a couple of times. And uh, so, I, you know, I did get a chance to race at that level. Unfortunately, I was always in a really small, under budget, under budgeted team and uh, never quite got the results I wanted. But that then led to uh, racing in sports cars, IMSA. American Le Mans series, uh, driving prototype sports cars and GT cars and things, and you know, finally getting paid to drive race cars, which <laughs> is the best thing that anybody could ever get to do. Yeah. And you know, made a, made a good career doing that, and uh, still love when I get a chance to get behind the wheel to to this day. Fantastic. So, did you ever race in the dirt, or did you just go straight to circuit? Uh, I, I did, I did, my very first race was actually in a sprint car, um, uh -huh. and, uh, uh, you know, one of those weird things, the way things worked out, I ended up winning my very first race ever, oh, and <laughs> so, 
seated the it seated the bug. <laughs> yeah, if there was ever any chance that I was going to be able to walk away from this thing and and have a normal life, uh, it went away that night. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic! So you have done all those categories. Do you have a favorite? Uh, it, it's kind of like the question when somebody says, you know, what's the favorite car that yeah. you for you to drive, and I go the next one. You know, for, for me, it's just. I, I love um, I love all forms of motorsport. You know, it's uh, I I love road racing. I love endurance racing. I love sprint racing. I love oval track racing. Some of the most fun races I ever ever did was in an Indy car on a one mile oval. Uh, I think that's just the most intense, mentally challenging, uh, just overall challenging racing I've ever done in my life. And when it's right. It is absolutely magic. It is so much fun. The downside is if your car is not quite right on an oval, it's it's one of those times when you kind of go, I'm not sure I want to do this. So, <laughs> yeah, so I I, I I enjoy it all, and um, doesn't matter if it's you know GT cars, uh, production cars, open wheel cars, prototype sports cars, you and name it. That's on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything four that's wheels. On, it's got wheels, four wheels, and it's rotating. You're there. You're watching. You're committed. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I, I probably, I came really close to going and doing some motorcycle racing at one point in time, and fortunately, my, my body, I think, thanks me for not quite having the chance to do it, so uh, I survived that part of it. So oh, I've stuck to four wheels. Yeah, oh, fantastic. So you have been along, uh, involved in the sports for a very long time. What are some of those changes you've seen over the years from the time when you were participating to, to now with your time as a performance coach? What has changed? Uh, everything. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I, the obvious answer would be technology. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I, I think, I mean, one of the things that, that definitely has changed has been the acceptance of, uh, even more than the acceptance, but the acceptance of coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when I first... It, well, when I first started racing and especially when I first started coaching in North America, at least, you know, I was one of the very first uh, people to kind of call themselves a coach and actually do what I consider today to be coaching. And, you know, there was a lot of pushback. There was a lot of, you know, you just get in the car and stand on the throttle and go fast. And, you know, so I think the, 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 the way people are approaching racing today in terms of, you know, it's like learning anything and developing your skills. And I think because uh, competitions got, I'm not going to say it's any more difficult, but, you know, it keeps getting, there's a finer and finer line between what it takes to win and what, what you won't win with. And because of that, everybody's looking for an edge. And, you know, one of the edges now is having the right, you know, everything from fitness, nutrition, to the mental game, to the right skill development, all of those things. And, you know, that, that has been a huge part of, um, a, a huge part of the changes, I guess, within the sport. And then, you know, obviously the technology side of it, you know, being able to use more tools to help with that, you know, like, you know, I think about, uh, uh, you, you know, the days of, you know, AJ Foyt and Mario Andretti or, Jack Brabham and Jimmy Clark, you know, them looking at data on a, on a computer screen. It's like, yeah, well, you can't even imagine that, you know, they were just like, go stand on the throttle, go fast. So, um, you know, that, that, that whole part of it has changed obviously a whole lot. And just, you know, again, 
everybody's looking for that edge and that edge is becoming smaller and smaller. So uh, you have to look, you, you have to look to the details a lot more than you ever did in the past, I'd say. Yeah, and that's something that we're very passionate about over here at Motivate is about, you know, defining everything like more and more, you need to be more of a holistic driver, as you're saying, and have everything in tune, not just your vehicle, but also your body, your mind, your nutrition. It, it, it is all of it. And, you know, if somebody thinks they're going to make it, you know, and make it could be, you know, I want to be the best club racer. I want to be the best track day driver. I want to be the best whatever. You know, I want to be Formula One champion, whatever. Uh, you know, to think that you're going to make it without going after all those little pieces, uh, you're just fooling yourself. Uh, it, it can't be done. And, you know, I think one of the things is there was a time, I think, when somebody said or somebody had just a lot of natural talent. And that natural talent would take them a long, long ways. Yeah. I think, I think today that natural talent will, it, it gets you the opportunity, but it's what you do with that natural talent that's going to make the difference. And I don't know if that's changed, but for sure that's the case today. Uh, natural talent isn't going to take you all the way. Nope. And that's something that I promote all the time. Guys. <laughs> so yeah. Say, you know, again, teams are looking for that whole package. They're looking to see what sponsors you can bring. They're looking to see how you're promoting yourself on social media, who you are. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and I think the point that you say of who you are, you know, one of the things that I've worked with a lot of young drivers is, you know, I'll say to them, imagine going to a test, you know, with, uh, you know, the Mercedes F1 team or, you know, an IndyCar team or a V8 supercar team or whoever it is. And, you and another driver there are testing. And at the end of the day, you both have turned the exact same lap time. It's gonna come down to who you are outside of the car. And sometimes the difference is, like you, like you said, I mean, how many social media followers do you have? It could be, you know, just, I, I always talk to, ask drivers, what's your hook? Yes. You know, what, what is it that makes you different than every other, every other driver? And if somebody says, well, I'm fast, <laughs> Sorry, that's not good enough. You know, there needs to be something, you know, Daniel Ricardo. I mean, one of the things that his hook is his personality, that yes. smile, his just him being him. Uh, I got to think, you know, I'm not saying that's taken anything away from his skill behind the wheel, but I'll bet there have been doors that have opened for him and opportunities have happened to, for him because of that personality that he has. Yeah, without a doubt. And one of the first things when I'm teaching sponsorship is talk about branding and all of yeah. that falling under that, like, you know, who do you want to be known as? What is your brand? Um, you know, what's your mantra? Um, you know, what is your, basically your elevator pitch? And people just kind of like roll their eyes or they want to skip over that part and they're like, I just want to get sponsors. It's like, well, until you know who you are and like what are your values, it's very hard to move forward to find sponsors that are going to work with you or race teams are going to work with you because these are the things they're looking for. And it's, it's almost sad how many drivers don't get that. <laughs> I know. I know. So, so I'm glad that you're doing that because that, 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 that to me is just so critical. And, you know, I've worked with some young drivers through the years who the reason they are where they are today is because they did get that. And, and obviously, again, it's not taking anything away from their ability behind the wheel of the car, but they also had the ability outside of the car as well. Yeah, and it's really important to keep refining those skill sets. And, you know, I feel 
like motorsport is a business is something that we're really trying to push here and and you know you've got to continue to be doing personal development and also doing other business skill sets as like learning more public speaking um you know identifying your social media and you know even niching down to who you want your fans to be is long term going to help you with your sponsorship as well it's interesting i was just talking to a friend the other day and they were kind of asking you know some of the stuff about what i've done in my career and things and and i said you know there was a I had, I've had one job in my life, like a, you know, a real job where I went somewhere each day and then came home and at the end of a couple of weeks, they paid me something. And then, you know, one day I, I, I came home and I went, I quit. I quit my job because I'm going to make it as a professional race driver. And the following week, what I did was I signed up to take a public speaking course. And in, in school, I was the kid who, if I was asked to stand in front of three people and talk, I would get sick to my stomach. Yes. Like I'm the most introverted, shy person you'll ever meet in your life. And I could just, uh, the idea of, of talking to three people would, would make me sick, but I knew that my career depended on it. So I took a, went and signed up and I took a four day public speaking course where I had to stand up and do that for four days in a row. And it was one of the most uncomfortable, <laughs> uh, difficult, challenging things I ever did in my life. But I, I know it made a difference. And I combat that fear by doing Facebook lives. Like I hate doing Facebook lives. Yeah. They make me sick to the core as much preparation as I do beforehand. I want to try not to look at my notes. I want to try to be looking at the camera, everything that I'm actually, you know, trying to teach, but it makes me sick to my core. But I know if I keep doing it, it's going to get better. And, and again, like nobody's perfect. I just encourage all the motorsport athletes just to start somewhere like with the video, with the public speaking, with the interviews, with Facebook lives podcast, whatever, whatever is their thing that resonates with them. And I'll, I'll tell you the one really quick story was uh, very early on in my career. I, 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 one of my very first professional road racing wins that I ever had. And afterwards I got invited to go to the local TV station to be on their like midnight sports talk <laughs> show thing. And, and I, you know, I can remember kind of like, I was terrified. And I remember getting there to the studio and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm shaking, I'm sweating. I'm like, I'm just freaking out. And then I went, I just won a professional race. This, yeah. how difficult can this be? And it kind of helped me. It made me calm down and kind of go, Oh, okay. It's not that difficult. Like it's just talking. So, you know, do I get nervous to this day when I do it? Yes. But I think it's, it's good nervous because I think there's a bad nervous where you, you then underperform. But I think if you ever get to the point where you're not just a little bit nervous, that's right. <laughs> you don't care committed. enough. That's right. You're not committed. <laughs> yeah. You're not committed. You don't care enough. Uh, you know, so, so anyways, that, that was a big moment for me where I kind of went, you know, compared to what I've done on a racetrack, talking on TV, that's easy. So it, 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 you can frame it that way and it does make it easier. Yeah. But of course, it, and it makes it easy that you're talking about yourself, or sometimes it makes it hard, depending on what type of personality you are. But <laughs> yeah, the, the talking about myself part is not the part that I enjoy, but the talking about racing, you know, yeah. if it's just, you know, somebody saying how the race go, I could talk about that for four days, right? You know, it, at least they're not talking, they're not asking us questions about politics or, you know, global warming or something that we're like, oh, I'm not sure I know enough about that. We're talking about what we love. So, and again, if you, if, if you don't love it, well then you're in the wrong place anyway. So. 
<laughs> so you, obviously you are a lover of the sports. You've been in over 25 years. You've been an author of 10 books. What made you get started in um, book writing and becoming an author? Was it the lack of resources you had when you started your career? Uh, I would love it if it, was, if it was that, but uh, no, it was actually, you know, again, in, in, in school, I was probably, you know, I would have been voted the least likely person to ever write a book, you know, uh, uh, that was not something that was ever a big part of what I did. Um, I guess I've always had a little bit of a creative streak in my, in me. I've got, you know, I like to draw and, you know, so there is a creative part of me, but, but uh, when I was, uh, you know, as a driver, you're always trying to, you need other things in your, in your career to make up, to make a living. And one of the things I started doing was teaching other drivers how to drive on tracks. And then I started a high performance and race driving school. And one of the first things I did was I put together a little, you know, I think originally it was like about a three or four page document that was like the basics of driving around a track. And I, I wrote that up. And then, you know, each year I would kind of make it a little better. And then as I started getting it higher up in professional racing in my hometown in Vancouver in Canada, the Vancouver newspaper asked me to write an article every week about driving, safe driving, like driving on the street. So kind yeah. of IndyCar driver teaches people how to be a safe driver on the street kind of a, an article. So I was forced to write uh, an article every single week for the newspaper, which is, uh, again, it was slightly terrifying in the beginning, but it was one, again, one of the best things that ever happened to me because it forced me to do this. And like anything, like driving a car, the more you write, the better you get at it. So long story short, uh, I just, as I was racing Indy cars, every time I would, I was always big in taking notes and making notes and kind of the, after a race weekend, I'd, I'd, I'd write down, what did I learn this weekend? Mm -hmm. And I found that the more I wrote things down, the more clear it became in my head and therefore I was better able to do it. So if I wanted to learn a skill, what I would do is write how I would teach that skill to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I just kept collecting, I had this document that I just kept putting stuff into. And eventually one day I was like, wow, this has turned into a, like this big document. And I gave it to a friend who was a journalist who said, oh, this is the book. I'm gonna send it to a friend, to some, somebody who um, knows somebody who's a book publisher. And the publisher came back and said, we want to publish your book. And I'm like, my book? I didn't write. Oh, I guess I wrote a book. And so they published that. And that was the very first Speed Secrets book. And about the time they were publishing it, I went, oh, but now there's so much more that really should be in that. So then I wrote another one. And then with a friend of mine who had helped me a lot to learn around the mental game of, of driving, we co-wrote Inner Speed Secrets around the mental part of, of racing. So we did that together. And then just, it became my outlet. Every time I was on an airplane, which is half my life, <laughs> uh, uh, I would sit on a plane and I would write. And again, it was kind of my way of figuring things out. If I wanted to learn more about trail braking or I wanted to learn more about uh, motorsport sponsorship, I would write about it. And, and I just found that the more I wrote about it, the better, the better my knowledge of it was. And, and of course, once you start, then a, a publisher then goes, do you have something else for us? And, <laughs> and so I never set out to write a book. 
And actually, I have one time the publisher came to me and said, would you write a book about this? And I did that one time. But I write for the joy of it. And for, you know, in some ways, I kind of say I write it for selfish reasons because it helps me understand. And as a side benefit, it helps other people learn. And I do get a huge, huge kick out of helping other drivers now. You know, there was a time when, you know, to be a professional race driver, you have to be selfish. You know, there's a certain level of, of it's all about me. And I, I went through that, but there was a, but kind of when I got to a certain point in my career, when I felt like I didn't have anything else to prove, like I was still getting paid to drive, but it wasn't like I had to prove to get that next ride. Yeah. And then other times it's like my whole way of looking at it has changed to, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything about the, to do with the drivers that I'm helping today. And that's why I write and do everything else that I do today. Yeah. And that comes right back to, again, like your branding, like that's now part of you as your drive. And that's what you developed over the years as well. So writing was something that you did enjoy. Uh, as I said, so whether, you know, people want to do videos all the time or if they want to do vlogs all the time, your thing started out to be a blog, turned into a book. Now this is your brand and it's given you a life after motorsports driving career um, and something that you, you know, now you're leaving a legacy um, for the other drivers. Yeah, I, I wish that I could say that I, <laughs> I set out this uh, to do <laughs> yeah. this deliberately. Uh, but no, everything, everything I've done, I think I've kind of just stumbled into. And, and I would say that all I've ever done in my life is gone after things that I've enjoyed doing and wanted to do. And things have turned out reasonably well. Yes, they have fantastically. It's also good to show that, showcase that if you don't make it to, to your ultimate goal that there are other avenues within the motorsport industry that you can get involved in and that's a conversation i have with a lot of young drivers and you know i'll ask them where they want to be and what they want to do and they're like you know i want to i want to race in formula one and that's it yes. i'm like great fantastic you need to have that drive but have an open mind to what else happens along the way because there are other opportunities will pop up along the way and don't just totally discard them uh I'm a big believer that if you have, if you have a lot of backup plans, you're going to need them. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of, a lot of kids coming from karting and going into cars. And what I'll say to them sometimes is sell all your karting equipment, get rid of it. Because if you have it and things don't quite work out for you, it's pretty easy to fall back to go back into karting. But if you, if you don't have anything to fall back into, then you got to make that work and you're going to push that much harder to make it. But at the same time, have be open to other opportunities that come along. And, you know, for me, everything was all about driving in Indy cars, but there came a time when I got a call from a, an IMSA sports car team and they said, would you come and test? And I'm like, why not? And I went and tested and they immediately offered me a job. And I'm like, I get paid to do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, I was, my IndyCar career was very much around, you know, we needed, to, we needed to find sponsorship to make it work. And there were some pretty lean years where we didn't have a lot of money. And, but all of a sudden, this sports car team's going, we'll, we'll pay you. And they were going to pay me very well. So, and, you know, it's not all about the money, but it was a great opportunity to race at the top for one of the best teams and have the opportunity to prove what I've always wanted to prove, which was I could drive a race car well. 
Yeah, and if you said no or you weren't open to that opportunity, you would never have that and maybe written those books as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows where everything's going to go? Yeah. Fantastic. And so what are you actually doing now, Ross? Uh, well, <laughs> I, 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 I would say helping drivers of all levels become better drivers. Simple as that's kind of the overarching thing of, of what I do. And so I coach drivers that are racing professionally. Uh, I work with a lot of drivers that are doing, you know, car club weekend, casual amateur, you know, going to the track on the weekend and having fun with their car at a, at a, at a, at a circuit. And, uh, you know, so I either go and do talks for them or seminar workshops for them, or I'm doing a lot more creating tr online training videos and webinars and things like this because I can reach more drivers that way. So, you know, to, the simple answer to your question is, uh, what am I doing today? I'm helping drivers become better drivers. Yeah, with lots of content. And so if people <laughs> consider in your webinars, uh, where can they find out about them? Uh, my website, speedsecrets.com. Basically, everything that I do is somehow linked at that speedsecrets.com website, from the webinars to, I, I, I post a ton of like free content on there. Uh, every week I have, a, you know, an Ask Ross column where I, people ask, send me emails and ask me questions and I just put them out there and uh, I, I just find it, I just have a lot of fun helping drivers and you know, six months later, somebody sends an email or gives me a call and says, hey, I took your webinar and now I've just knocked off a second off my best lap times and I'm more consistent and you know, mentally I'm prepared or I'm better prepared and all these things. So that's, uh, that's, that's, that's almost my payment now. Yeah. Rosh, you sound very passionate about the sport. What do you love about it? Uh, just about everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and to be fair, I, you know, I would say that the one thing that I, where I got to in my career and, you know, every driver is different, but you know, where I got to in my career, I had gone many, many years of, chasing sponsors and doing all the media work and all that stuff. And that allowed me to get behind the wheel of the car. And, and it was worth every fraction of a second of that and every bit of effort I ever put into that. But I did get to a point where after a number of years of getting paid well to drive race cars, where, you know, it, the economy took a dive. A lot of uh, seats weren't as, there weren't as many seats available in racing. And there came, it came a time where it was like, I'm going to have to go look for sponsors again. And that was the one thing that I was not willing to do anymore was go look for sponsors and do that chasing down the next ride part of it. And so when you ask, what do I love about it? I, I love every part of it. There are some parts I don't love as much as uh, I used to. And, and, and to be fair, I really enjoyed the whole marketing sponsorship side of it because I found what I learned from a business perspective on that, that has been massively important to the rest of my, my life. And I'm very, very grateful that I learned a lot about business and marketing through the sponsorship um, prospecting and servicing and all that side of it. Uh, I learned so much about, about the business side that's helped me. So I don't regret any of that, but you know, if my job today relied on me going out and getting a sponsor so I could get behind the wheel of the car, 
I'm probably going to sit and wait for somebody to call me up and say, hey, would you come and drive my car? Um, and unfortunately, that's the one part I've, I've gotten tired of. Well, there's lucky that there's um, places like us that can help you with that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So now I would just turn around and hand, and hand it to you and say, do it for me. But, but I also understand, I believe, I believe that even if I was to come to you and say, Belinda, would you market me? Would you help me with that part of it? Uh, I can't just stand back and go, you do it all. I've got to be... I've got to be involved. I've got to be working with you. I've got to do the homework. I've got to do a lot of legwork. It's up to me as well, because if I just leave it to you, mm -mm. no, that's right. So we don't we don't actually um, get sponsorship for drivers, as stated. Uh, we give them all the tools um, for them to go do it, and then we can help them along the way. Because obviously, it's about them building partnerships and relationships, and people buy from people. So it's hard to sell someone sponsorship or a partnership if they don't know who they're selling. Who they're and, investing in. So. Yeah, and, and that just triggered a thought when you asked the question of what do I love about the sport? Uh, I would say there's two things that, you know, other than when I get into a car, man, just driving a car at the limit, it's still magical to me. It's so much fun. But there are two, two other things. And one is the people that I meet and the people that I work with and spend time around in the sport, that's one of the things that I love about the sport. I look at the opportunities that I've had and the people that I've met. Uh, I was actually, uh, about a month or so ago, I was telling somebody, we were talking and they were asking me something about, you know, some of the people that I met. And actually one of the, the amazing experiences I had was actually in Australia. Uh, after doing the IndyCar race, uh, I'd gone to the BMW, the BMW driver training center, and I can't remember the exact location of that. And at one point at lunch, sitting down at a table and eating some lunch, and this fellow came over and sat down at the table with me. And it was Denny Hume. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, this is Denny Hume sitting at a table. And I sat and talked with him for 20, 30 minutes. It was unfortunate. It was shortly, it was a month or two later when he passed away. So, I mean, how incredible an experience for somebody like myself to be able to sit and have met and talked with somebody like Denny Hume. So the people I've met, but the other part of it is the part that I love about racing is learning. Yes. And uh, to me, it's just, it's a massive learning experience. And what I've learned from the sport has been as important as what I learned about doing the sport, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And what does your wife think about the sport? Is she involved in it as well, or is she supportive of your career choices? Fortunately, we met at a racetrack. Oh, so she loves the sport as much as I do. You know, we, on the rare weekends when I'm home, uh, you know, we, we, we sit down and we watch the Formula One races or an IndyCar race or whatever. You know, it's kind of like the first question is what racing's on TV today? And so we, you know, and for many years she traveled with me to all the races when I was racing myself. And her only complaint today is, I, I, I would, you know, she's saying, I would like to go to more races. Um, <laughs> well, that's a great thing to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we have, we have a great relationship and you know, we, I come home and we talk about racing. So it's, uh, uh, very fortunate that way. Oh, very good. But I would highly recommend if at all possible, find yourself a partner who loves the sport as much as you do. It makes <laughs> life a whole lot easier. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> 
And so, Ross, you don't just deal with the motorsport industry. You do also do business speaking uh, external to um, businesses and organisations. What kind of um, presentations are you doing and why did you get into speaking? So the, the, when I was doing uh, a number of seminars and workshops for drivers years ago, and it was mostly around, it was, I was calling them, there were inner speed secrets seminars, and it was around the mental game of, of driving. And I'd have a group of drivers come in, you know, some very young, some older, you know, the typical gentleman driver uh, uh, come to these things. And then, you know, six months later or a month later or whatever, I'd get an email from somebody saying, hey, thank you. You know, I, I'm driving faster now. But I've actually, I'm using the, the same strategies and concepts in my business. And, it's, and the performance of my business has improved would you come and do a workshop for my sales team, for example? So that was the first time that kind of happened. And I started doing that. And I started realizing that, you know, performance is performance, whether that performance is driving a car or it's for a sales team or it's for management or whatever. And the other part is that I found that coaching, it's all about bringing the best performance out of somebody. You know, people say, how do you coach somebody? You know, do you spend a lot of time talking about the apex of a corner? And it's like, yeah, kind of. But to me, it's all about bringing the best performance out of somebody. Yes. And if you think about it, to me as a manager, a leader of a business or a team of people in a, in a corporate setting, it's no different. It's just about bringing out the best performance in your employees. So I started applying those same concepts to businesses. And along the way, again, because uh, the career of a race car driver is not the most solid, reliable thing, I've started a few different companies and built some companies. And so I've had kind of these little uh, laboratory experiments called my businesses that I could apply these same principles to and found that they worked. And so I, I for a number of years, I was doing a lot of corporate coaching as well. So executive coaching and going in and doing different training sessions for different uh, teams within a, within an organization. And yeah, it, it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's rewarding because you're helping people perform better. I agree. And do you work much with teams? Uh, I have actually. And uh, like sport teams. Yeah, I, I, you know, so I've, I've worked with race teams. I've worked with other sports teams. One of the funniest ones was, and I won't uh, make a long story short or long story out of this, but uh, my nephew played lacrosse, which um, was a very popular sport in the area that we lived in at the time. And uh, his, he asked me to come in and help his team. And then the coach saw the results I was getting and, I ended up coaching their team to going on and winning the, the championship. And I had never held a lacrosse stick in my life. Like I didn't know how to play the game, yeah. but it was all about just bringing the best performance out of, out of people. So, you know, I've done that and then I've worked with race teams as well, where, you know, we know that a lot of times what holds the driver back is the preparation, not just the preparation, the details, the mechanical parts of the car, but how a team works together. And so, so yeah, so I do, I do some workshops, seminars and trainings with, with two different teams as well. That's all fun as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I still think there's a lot of education around the benefits of coaching teams from a race perspective. I think right now, maybe in Australia, I don't know if it's a universal thing, but there isn't a much uh, training or conditions around teams and the importance of doing team training, like pit crew training, um, even something simple, simple as doing fitness-based training that everyone's, you know, just doing that together. I think it's kind of like, well, we look after the driver, we do that, and then that person does that, and then that person does that. And maybe the pit crew might practice changing the tyres, but they're not practising, you know, working together, relationship buildings or, you know, personality, disc profiling or the five love languages or anything like that in, in order to know how to work with somebody. They're kind of all just running together. And it's like, well, your job's this, your job's that. Yeah, you just do it and it's all going to work together. But we know it doesn't happen like that. There doesn't seem to be any emphasis, again, especially over here, that it's important to build that team cohesion. And I think, you know, kind of going back to your one of your first questions was what's changing in the sport? And I would say that's an area that is changing. And, you know, a few years ago, there was none of that. Mm. And I would say in certain parts of the sport, I mean, in NASCAR, I know that, some the, the top teams spend a lot of time working in that now. Fantastic. And, you know, so it's coming in. I would say the top IndyCar teams, uh, I don't know for a fact, but I got to think that, you know, uh, yeah, I got to think that a guy like Total Wolf understands the importance of teamwork and the Mercedes F1 team. Is, yeah. It's not just the money that makes them win so often. Yes. It's that team. So, so I think it's happening there and it will trickle down just like some of the other things, you know, um, at one time tuning shock absorbers was only for, you know, one team at the very top of the, the pyramid kind of thing. And now every team does. And so, you know, it's, it's going to come down. And I, and I think that part of the, the team building part of it, I think will, will, will grow. It has to. Fingers crossed. It's an opportunity. I know. That's right. I'm just trying to push it along, Ross. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ross, when do you think people um, engage with your services? Or what kind of point of career? I know you mentioned you've had, like, you do work with a range of uh, drivers at the moment. But is is there a defining point in their, their career or is, does something happen for them in order to engage with you? Hmm, that's, that's an interesting question. I, I would say... The, 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 I guess the, the obvious answer would be when they recognize there's an opportunity where they can improve. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually, I'm fortunate to be in a position as a coach now where I can actually be fairly selective about who I work with. And, you know, if somebody says, hey, I'd like you to coach me, my first, and I, I can't just ask the question because the answer is going to be kind of an obvious one, but, but what I want to try to find out is how bad do they want to learn? Yeah. And if they truly, truly want to learn and they want to improve and are willing to put in the effort to do what it takes to do that, then I am super pumped, excited to work with them. If, if they kind of give me the, yeah, I'll do that, um, that's not somebody that I particularly want to work with. And so I, I would say that, uh, you know, who should be looking for a coach and not just me, but a, a, a good, a good coach. And by the way, I believe there are, there are a lot of coaches out there and there are some that are really, really good. Uh, and it's worthwhile looking for the ones that are really, really good. It's a smaller number, but they, they get the, they get the results. 
And, but I, I would say that, you know, if somebody is kind of thinking about what do they need to do to get to the next level, a coach can make a huge, huge difference. Um, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, well, like yeah. I said, it's, it's giving them that um, competitive advantage of, of, of performance. I, I would, and in some places, it's almost, uh, if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to keep up. You know, some you're going to get an advantage. Some you need a coach just to keep, to stay there because everybody else has got a coach. Uh, and, and I know, you know, I, and I know it's different around in different series and different, uh, uh, you know, different areas of the world. But in North America, there are certain series where I'm going to say 90% of the drivers have a coach. So if you don't have one, you're probably going to get left behind. And is that where you're based now? I am. I'm uh, so I'm I'm based in the U.S., but well, uh, up until up until year 2020 and the situation we're in at the moment, you know, I would I would travel internationally a fair bit. Um, you know, uh, I it it used to be it was getting to the point where I would I'd make at least one trip to Australia every year, and uh, it's now been coming up on a year and a half since I was there last. And uh, so getting back to Australia and, you know, two years ago I spent most of my season in Europe and every now and then I get some really fun opportunities to go do something in Korea or um, Sweden or Estonia or, you know, someplace, you know, so it, it's, it's fun to be able to do that part of it. But yeah, I spend the bulk of my time, uh, traveling U.S. and Canada. That's the power of saying yes, isn't it? All those opportunities. Yes. <laughs> That's right. And I would say, again, the, you know, kind of going back to the books thing, is it's kind of a funny thing how I never set out to write a book, but I did. And it's interesting how many times that I've gotten a, you know, uh, somebody contacts me and says, I want the guy who's written the book to come and coach me. So come to China and coach me. And yeah. I go to China to do that. Because, you know, it was certainly wasn't the intention, but it's funny how that works. And Rajesh did say you do most of your riding on the airplanes. Is that how you divided or maneuvered your way into the pilot industry? How did you end up writing a book about working in the pilot industry. <laughs> well, well, that's interesting is because uh, five, six years ago, I opened my email, email inbox up and there's an email from a fellow who lives in Melbourne. Huh. And he says, you know, I've been reading your inner speed secrets book about the mental game and I race, um, but I happen to be a pilot as well uh, for an Australian airline and uh uh and you know so we started trading emails back and forth and talking about the similarities between flying and driving a car and you know obviously he had the perspective of as a as a pilot but also as a race driver and uh so i i, I think i think phil was the first one that kind of said hey do you want to take what you've written about driving race cars and, and, you know, adapt it, change it, write it for pilots. And I'm like, that sounds like fun. So that's what we ended up doing. And it was interesting that we spent, I think 
close to five years, four or five years back and forth by email and Dropbox and back and forth collaboratively putting this book together called Performance Pilot. And uh, we put it together, we self-published it, it's out there, it's selling on Amazon and everywhere else. And it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that we actually met face to face when I came to Melbourne. It was like, wow, <laughs> we finally got a chance to meet face to face. So it was really, really fantastic experience. And then, uh, uh, yeah, you know, we through the process become really good friends and uh, it's been fun. And, and then I've always had a fascination with helicopters. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to learn to fly helicopters. So last year I started taking my lessons started taking lessons to get my pilot's license to fly helicopters so some of the stuff that we've been working on dealing with uh focused on on flying a pilot now i was uh actively using in my process of learning to fly helicopters so it's been uh, just a whole kind of interesting how it all worked together and you know phil and i like i said become really good friends out of this and we've got this book called performance pilot and uh, you know, travel around and I talk to somebody and they're like, you know, yeah, I fly and, and, but I also race and I'm like, I got a book for you. <laughs> so it, it, it's pretty cool. See, that's another great example of saying yes to an opportunity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I could have very easily said, you know, uh, and, and I would say one of the things that I try to do is every email, I answer every single email. Somebody sends me an email out of the blue I send, uh, I reply to them and, you know, it would have been very easy for me to get this email and go, yeah, okay, delete. But we started a conversation and it turned into a great friendship and a, and a book and, you know, um, are we becoming multi, we, we keep joking that, uh, you know, when we sell enough of them, we're going to buy an island and we're <laughs> going to live on this island. So uh, uh, let's just say we're a long, long way away from that. <laughs> Don't don't write a book thinking that you're going to get rich someday. Oh, great. No. Sorry. <laughs> no. And so, Ross, you also have the podcast called The Speed Secrets. Yeah. Yeah. And tell us a little bit like about the guests and things that you have on that. So, uh, I, I, again, I started the podcast maybe a little bit. There was a little selfish side to that. And that is uh, I like communicating through writing. Mm-hmm. And, but I knew that I could be a better verbal communicator. And I thought, well, maybe everybody's podcasting these days. Maybe I should start one myself so I can practice that. And I also thought it'd be a really great excuse to connect with people that I don't get a chance to have great in-depth conversations with. Mm -hmm. So I started it thinking, I'll do this for a few months. Well, it's now, I don't know, 100 and... I don't know, something like 150 or 160 episodes later. And it's been really, really fun because I get to have conversations with people that I normally wouldn't get a chance to. Sometimes they're, they're drivers that I've known for 20 years and I raced against. And, but, you know, at the racetrack, you kind of go, hey, how you doing? You know, and have a good weekend, whatever kind of thing. But I've never had a chance to sit down and really kind of go, how do you approach driving? And my podcast is meant to be educational. Uh, there are a lot of, like yours, like, you know, there, there are a lot of podcasts out there, I think, that are they're entertainment. Yes. I wanted my podcast to 
obviously I hoped it would be somewhat entertaining. <laughs> otherwise nobody would tune in. But I wanted, every, I wanted every episode, somebody to go to leave the podcast and go, oh, I got to work on that next time I go to the track. And so I've been able to have lots of drivers, coaches, engineers, uh, you know, a lot of the people that I know in the sport and some of them that I didn't know super well, but the podcast gives you an excuse to connect with them. But I've also had an opportunity. Uh, I have a, in a, in a couple weeks, there's a book that I read, uh, 25 years ago that had a big impact on me called thinking body, dancing mind. Mm-hmm. Sounds all very Zen-like. Well, it is kind of Zen-like. It's about the Zen of sport. And it written by a sports psychologist, Dr. Jerry Lynch, and a, uh, a Zen practitioner, Al Huang. And I just recently stumbled across a podcast that Dr. Jerry Lynch was doing. So I reached out to him. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have him on my podcast. Fantastic. Having a conversation about the impact that his book had on me as an athlete. And it's going to be really fun because, you know, his way of looking at it is a very Zen-like approach. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it had, that book had a big impact on the way I looked at competition, especially because I was the person that, you know, if we got out of a car and we're walking into a store, I had to get to the door of the store before you did because I needed to win that race as well. And, and just, you know, that, that book had a big impact. So, so the, sorry about this rambling on about the podcast, but the podcast has been fantastic for me to be able to connect with and talk to some people that I would normally wouldn't have. I never would have had a chance to talk to this Dr. Jerry Lynch, but I will in a couple of weeks. I'm really excited about that. Oh, fantastic. We'll have to keep our eyes and ears out for that next episode. But well done on hitting a milestone. Uh, I think everyone thinks that doing a podcast is quite easy, but there's a lot that goes behind the scenes, isn't there, Ross? (laughs) You know, uh, congrats to you. on The biggest thing with a podcast, it's it never ends. (laughs) Like you finish one and it's like, okay, now I got to start. There's a lot of work into it. And I have... I, I put out a weekly e-newsletter that people subscribe to and every single week, I mean, we're, we're on, uh, we're going into our, we've been doing it every single week, never missed a week in coming up to seven years. Wow. And so that's a big commitment. And then the podcast is a weekly thing. And I did take a little break last fall from the podcast, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a big commitment, isn't it? Yes. Yes, I struggle trying to put out a newsletter fortnightly. So well done. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing that keeps me going is those all the time on an airplane because that's when I get everything done. So, yeah. Yeah. We're not going anywhere fast here in Oz at the moment, nor have we since March. So <laughs> there's no motivation has been running low, fair to say. But I would say that the there's a lot of drivers that I've talked to uh, who have said, the the lockdown with the pandemic is you know obviously it's a terrible thing the sooner we can get through this the better safely but a lot of drivers have taken time to step back and really evaluate what they're doing to from the business side of their their profession uh or you know even like amateurs who are don't have to worry so much about that side of it but they're really looking at their own performance and what can they do 
And it's not just, you know, well, I'm going to prepare the car better, but it's what can they do prepare to prepare themselves, whether it's fitness or changing their diet or having a regular mental training program that goes, you know, there are a lot of drivers that go to the gym five days a week. Ask them, what do they do for their mental training to go, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why not have a mental training program that you spend, you do a session every day, five days a week, you know? So I think a lot of drivers are taking advantage of this time. And uh, obviously the whole sim racing world has helped that. And it's a very big thing. And I spent a lot of time uh, in that area as well. But uh, I think I have seen drivers who have, because in the, in the U.S., you know, we're back to racing and have been for a couple months now. I've seen drivers who have come back and they're performing better than they ever have. And it's because of the prep and the change and the way they're, the way they're uh, changed their training in, that, in the downtime. So if you're sitting around getting demotivated, uh, flip that around the other way and uh, crack it up. Uh, because right. when you come back, you're going to, yeah, you need to perform. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, unfortunately here in Australia, there's been some states have been open, so they've been able to continue to race and some states that haven't. So uh, it's just hard for those states that haven't been able to, to compete as so said they're feeling um, some of the other states are getting that competitive advantage, especially when it goes to national racing. So it's that top end of racing for us over here in Oz, but hopefully we'll be back soon. So we yes. are all looking forward to all getting back motivated again. Um, Frost, you've given us lots of um, information today. I thank you very much for your time. Do you have any parting words for someone getting started in motorsports? Uh, focus on learning because you will never ever get to a point where it's like, that's it. I've learned everything. I'm, uh, you know, if, if you go out and you qualify on the pole, setting a lap record, you lead every lap of the race, you lap the entire field. You should be getting out of the car and going, that felt really good. I performed well today. What could I have done better? Because that's what the very best do. They're constantly looking at what can I do to get better? You know, Lewis Hamilton is not, winning championships just because he's in the best car, but it's because he's looking at it. What can I do even better? The whole team is doing that. So, uh, and, and I think there is value in simply having learning as an objective. So rather than the objective being, I want to win. If the objective is I want to learn, then I'm going to improve. And by improving, I've actually increased my chances of winning. So I think most drivers have had the experience of trying really hard to turn a fast lap and it doesn't happen. But when you go in focused on what can I learn and just learn from the act of driving and in that process, you perform at a higher level than you have before, you've increased your chances of, of winning. So it, it is a, a kind of a way of kind of flipping it around in your mind, but the whole thing is focus on, on the learning part and you'll continue to grow and improve and your chances of winning go up and your opportunities for other things in your life go up as well. It's fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Ross. I'm assuming the best way for people to follow you and to get in contact with you is at speedsecrets.com everywhere, like yes. on Facebook. 
I, I yeah. My yeah. my Facebook thing is Driver Coach. My Instagram is Ross at Ross Bentley. My Twitter is at Speedseeker. That's a little messy, but if you go to speedseekers.com, there's a little icon. You can click on each one of them. So that's yeah. right. I will put all the links um, for you guys to follow Ross on your preferred platform on today's show notes. Before I let you go, Ross, I have to ask you, obviously, an international race car driver, what is your favorite race track? My favorite racing track? Ooh. <laughs> this is the, so, so my first answer to that is always the next one. Yes. Because the next one I go and drive will be, the, be my favorite. Uh, interestingly, so when, when people in North America ask me that question, what's your favorite racetrack? They think North America because that's the way they're thinking. And, and in North America, I'm going to say it's, it's Mosport, which is now Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, Mosport. It is the fastest, most amazing track. But then I'll say, but in the world, Phillip Island. Ah, yes, Phillip Island. I love Phillip Island. It is such an amazing racetrack, but part of, to me, what, part of what makes a racetrack is the area the what's around it philip you guys are so fortunate down there to, to to have that so close i mean it's just uh what a beautiful place and uh, i've not driven a lot of tracks there. i've coached a few times there and driven a, a, a few laps there but just uh yeah the scenery and everything else it's just magical so it's beautiful. Uh, obviously, you have raced a Gold Coast. I was thinking you were going to say the Gold Coast up for the view as well. Yeah, that's that's pretty spectacular as well. And and I love street circuits, but you know, I, again, that's a, such a difficult one because you know I usually make a trip to Europe every year to take a bunch of drivers to the Nurburgring and to Spa. And I got to tell you, Spa is a pretty darn amazing track, and the Nurburgring is an amazing track. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, you know, I, part of what makes a track fantastic is the driving part part of it is where it's located part of it is the experience you have when you go there as well if you have a great experience when you go there it always becomes one of your favorite tracks isn't it yes um, yeah so yeah and are you still racing now uh every every now and then i i get a race in fact i've got something coming up fairly soon here and uh in north america there's a lot of these they call them low budget endurance <laughs> racing and not at the very, very low levels, but there's sort of a medium level in there. And uh, there's some teams that uh, ask me to come and drive with them every now and then. And there's a, there's a race in, uh, called the Thunder Hill 25-hour because 24-hour race wasn't quite long enough. So they came up with a 25-hour race many years ago. Yep. And it happens the first weekend of December, which in North America is our winter. And it's, pretty, it's definitely off-season. So it became a place where a lot of pros would go to in the off season just to go and have a fun weekend of racing. And uh, so did that last year and won there and uh, looking forward to going back there in December as well. So, yeah. All right. We'll have to keep following to see what happens. Yeah. Again, thank you, Ross, for being on today's show. I really appreciate your time. And again, all that wonderful information you shared with us and the listeners. Thank you, Belinda, and really, really appreciate it. Hopefully, I didn't ramble on too long. Sorry about that. So I just kept <laughs> excited about this, and uh, thank you for everything that you're doing for the sport as well and for all the drivers out there. So thank you. Thank you. Hi, guys. Alex Gardner here, go-kart racer from Queensland. I've been with Motivate for about a year now, and I've definitely benefited from her and her crew. Nutrition, social media, sponsorship, and exercise is what she helps me with. She also does mental strengths as well. I'm looking forward to my journey ahead with Motivate Training.
Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Tea. Until next time, take care.